0: I'm Sean O'Keefe. I'm the founder of Career Launch and the author of Launch Your Career. If you're looking for personal growth and how to live a more healthy life, listen to my good friend Joel Evan on the Hack Life Podcast.
1: Biohacking, performance, mastery, mindset. This is a show about getting better every single day. Joel Evan. Welcome to the show. What's up guys? It's Joel from the Hack Life and I am super excited to announce that I just dropped a new eight-week program that's dedicated to motivated and busy men who want to lose weight. Let's face it guys, when you lose weight, you're more confident. You have higher self-esteem and you go out and you crush the world. You crush your goals and you start living your higher purpose. So if you're interested, DM me at Joel Evan Coaching or email me info at com for more details. All right, I'm here with Sean O'Keefe, founder of The Career Launch Method and newly published author of the highly acclaimed book, Launch Your Career. Sean, welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, it's great to be back. I remember I was one of your first uh, podcasts, uh, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago. And so congrats to you. Um, I've seen you really scale and Um, build this and it's been amazing to watch so thanks for having me back
1: yeah man Um, on that note you know it was like a year and a half ago you were I think for episode number two Um, it's crazy yeah I mean uh, thinking back uh, just where we're at and you know you really helped Me launch the podcast and get things going, and I was, you know, looking for amazing guests, people that were changing the world and impacting and doing things. Everybody I, you know, that I interview on the podcast, I want to interview people that are being disruptive in the industry, and you're one of them, as well as a close friend. And so it was pretty easy to have you on the podcast. And now we got you back, and we're going to talk about a lot about, you know, where you've grown in the last year and a half with your business career launch, and uh, really helping students find their dream job is what I would, is the way I think about it and what's changed, especially now, Hey, we just, you know, we just, we're just getting out of a pandemic. And so it'll be interesting to kind of talk about things. But one of the things I wanted to ask you like right out the gate is I just finished reading your book and you have these amazing like pillars and concepts, these kind of core concepts that you talk about in the book. And one of the things you talk about is this Japanese concept. I think it's Japanese. It's Ikigai. Mm -hmm. And you you, you you talk about how the students should really have they should really hone in this this concept of ikigai and I'll let you explain it better than I will but like this vocation this mission this core that drives you and then you later at the end of the book talk about your ikigai and what was driving you to launch this business but you took a two hundred thousand um, dollar that pay cut but well yeah I guess you could say it. you took a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut to launch this business so talk to us about this concept of ikigai and and you know, giving up a two hundred thousand dollar you know a year job to make this happen.
0: Yeah, so ikigai um, it talks about your vocation, your meaning, what your your purpose of of how you should be spending your time related to career. Now there are some people who go their entire life and they never realize what their ikigai is. Um, very few people I would say know their their meaning, their purpose before the age of twenty. Yeah. Um and then there's other people who like I said, nude go their entire lives, um, who don't figure it out. I was lucky enough to figure it out at the age of thirty. Yeah. <laughs> um and so when I figured it out and I understood that teaching and coaching college students was and then, you know, helping other professionals teach and coach college students, um, was how I could provide the best impact. And when I say impact, I really think about being of service to others. Yeah. Um, yes, you have to make enough money to, 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 to put food on the table. But I, you know, I I believe that life is not just about, um, where you are and what you have. It's what you do with what you have. And I saw the opportunity to help others through, um, helping college students either directly or more importantly now with the social enterprise career launch by helping others at other universities and colleges and nonprofit organizations help their students and scholars succeed. Really cool. And then when you
1: said at age 30, you find your Ikigai, how did, you, how did you find it? Was it like, was it a mentor? Was it a book? Was it something, how, what was the moment that you realized like, Oh my God, like this is what I'm driven to do.
0: Yeah. It's it's a, it's a, it's a for most people, it's a collection of data points, um, over, over a long period of time. Um, you know, when I talked on the first podcast, I, I shared my story about how my life was changed as a college student because of a professor and a supervisor. I had at a part-time job. Those two people really influenced me and led me to get you know three competitive internships in a in the hidden job market. Well, two of which were in the hidden job market, and then a full-time job, right? And those were the jobs that I really wanted. And I didn't have the best GPA, and I didn't have any connections through family or friends, but I developed, so I, I created so, social capital from scratch. Yeah. And so, um, but at at that time I just, did, I didn't know my, yeah, I didn't, my meaning, my calling, my vocation. I just, um, because I didn't know what it was, I just thought it'd be, it'd be, it'd be great to get a job that I would enjoy. So for me being a former, you know, um, high school athlete, not even yeah. a college athlete, but working in professional sports um, would be would be fun. It wasn't my iki guy, but I just thought it would be a job that I wouldn't enjoy. And so that's why I challenged myself to go after those jobs. And luckily enough, I was able to get internships and then a full-time job after graduation. So then as I went through my 20s, I realized um, working in professional sports that I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. It, it wasn't what I was meant to do. Um, and I didn't know what was next, but I felt like I had to be more employable. So that's when I went back to school to get my MBA from the age of 25 to 28. So I, I was still working full time. I did a part-time program. Um, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, uh, I was able to upskill, you know, meet new people, learn and, and, and really get more discernment on what I want to do. And at that time I still didn't know my meaning. So I just wanted to be in a leadership role at an organization so I could, I could be of service to others. Yeah. And then, um, as I shared on the first podcast, I had this amazing, uh, um, uh, you know, um, luck, I guess, um, is fortuitous. It was serendipitous, this plane flight where I, I had a conversation with the Dean of the business school and that led to me teaching as an adjunct. And, um, when I started teaching as an adjunct, the third night of class, I just had this feeling come over my body. Like this is the kind of stuff I should be doing with my life. This is my icky yeah. guy. But that didn't happen until the age of 30.
1: Yeah. I love the story too with the guy on the airplane and how he like miffy. You, you know, he like totally just kind of like. How did you get? How how did someone like you get a job with the A's? Right, doing sales. You're like, what? You know, you kind of had to look at the guy. Wait, what? But then at the same time, he offered you uh, a position in the future, and, and it's something that you took him up on, uh, teaching and, and being a professor and where you are now. So it it is serendipitous. It's, it's, it's amazing those those connections, those contacts, and and what you did to, you know. Keep that law of attraction, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit, and that that, that vibration is what I what I like to say. Um, very cool. And, and just so everybody knows, you know, Sean was like on the podcast for like episode. I think it's episode two. And if you want to know about his origin story and how he created this career launch method, and like how how college students can really, I mean, it's a no brainer, guys. I mean, the method is like it's pretty bulletproof. If you want to learn how to get your dream job, and you want to learn how to to land that. Um, the interesting thing, of course, too, and we talked about in the last podcast, is there's so many life skills that it's not even the dream job. It's like that quote, like, it's not the journey. I mean, it's not like the goal that you're going, it's like who you become in the process to get the goal, even if you don't get the goal. Like, that is like the, mo- that is the, the learning moment. And it's even, and it's something else we'll talk about in this episode is there's a lot of people in stories and that you have from the book of students who have used your method to get, um, to Actually, I'm sorry, to attempt to get their dream job, they don't get it, so they go back, review some of the tactics and, and strategies for outreach, and then they get uh, the dream job that they weren't even thinking about. So um, that I think is even more important for like who these people become after the fact. But long story short, if you want to go learn about uh, your origin story and then just how you created it, why you created it, and what you're all about – Go back and check out this episode. Today, we're going to get more into the book and what's happened over the last year and a half for career launch. Um, So let's jump into some of the things you mentioned in the book. You talk about how students, they need to be proactive in their approach. And so I'm curious, what are students doing wrong? Then are they not being, are they not typically proactive?
0: Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Um, So there's research that says 90% of students spend 90% of their time looking for jobs and in internships by searching online job boards. And that is just one source of, 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 of jobs and internships. And actually, there's another statistic that's heavily promoted in higher education, and, and we talk about it several times in the book because most students don't know this, um, that 80% of jobs, 80% of all jobs and internships are never posted on an online job board. 80%. Yes, only 20%. That's 20. crazy. So that, what that means, if you if you take LinkedIn and Indeed and careerbuilder.com and any kind of um, college or school um, job board, and you add all those up together, that's only 20%. Yeah. And so most students don't even, one, know that there's a hidden job market, hidden internship market. And if they do, they don't know how to tap into it. So the book provides, uh, you know, detailed proven strategies based on 11 years of data of students that are in my classroom or students across the country who've gone through the crew launch programming on exactly what they need to do and so it's very scaffolded we call it in higher education uh, meaning that it, there's eight major steps but there's several several micro steps to each step that takes students through what they need to do to optimize their chances of reaching out to a professional at a company at a nonprofit at a government agency um, where they want to work one day, um, and set up a meeting, which we call a career conversation. Um, in higher education, it's uh, the common term is informational interview. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, we 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 ch- changed the terminology, and we looked at the data. Are students more likely to get a yes when they ask a professional for an informational interview, or if they change the term to asking for a career conversation, are they more likely to get a yes? And the data is significantly higher when students change the term informational interview to career conversation. Huh. And um, we've done some qualitative research on this, both with um, students and with the professionals who have met with our students. And um, students tell us that just the, hearing the word interview gets gets them all nervous. Yeah. Um, and then the professionals say when they hear when they see the word um, interview, informational interview, either in an email or maybe a LinkedIn message or on a voicemail, right. whatever the outreach may be that, um, even though they see the word informational in front of it, it still causes them pause. Um, and so changing to the career conversation, it sounds more informal. It's the students, the students are less nervous and the, and the, and the professionals are more likely to say yes. So that's been a huge win since we were last on your show.
1: That, that just happened over the last kind of year and a half then or yes. so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. It, it's it, it's always amazing to me, like just the little nuances, right, that make success like that. It's like that, or even like Tony Robbins says, like, right, the best athletes in the world, like you're the you're the Golden State Warriors, you're the best in the world. Like, what separates you from the next team? It's like it's mental. It's like one percent, but like that could be the one, that little one percent that changes it. And it's it's interesting because if you ask me, like, for an informational interview, I think yeah, you're right. It's like I don't. I don't want to be interviewed. <laughs> that seems like work, dude. You know, whereas conversation, like, oh, yeah, let's let's have a conversation. That seems, you yeah, know. Yeah,
0: just imagine this, Joel. Uh, imagine I'm a, I'm an, you know your typical college student, and I'm able to track down your email, which there's several places that are free and ethical to do so, and we yeah. teach students in the book exactly how to go about that. Um, but imagine I'm a, I'm a student at a local college. It doesn't have to be local, but for this – hypothetical, just say it's local. And the subject line of my emails, it just kind of says the name of my college. I don't say that I'm a student. I don't say coffee chat question mark. I don't say the term career conversation or informational interview. And then I write a email that is tailored and it, it identifies that I know kind of where you went to school, what your first job was, what you're doing now without being too long winded. Cause that's important. Yeah. You got to be concise. Yeah. Um, but you also want to make sure the person feels like you didn't just copy and paste something that you sent to somebody else. Um, and it's, and I, and I ask you, you know, I flatter you a little bit and I ask you for well, tw- 20 flattery. minute Love that. video chat. <laughs> yeah. You know, assuming, you know, all things being equal, don't you think you would say yes to that?
1: yeah as long as the, as long as I can make the time for it absolutely right and I think you know the big thing for me is that what the feeling for me is uh, I know where I came from I know what it took to get me to the steps and I like helping people that are hungry first of all that are getting after it and that are doing different approaches I like I respect the hunger I respect the process like I I love people that are getting after it and if you're showing me you're getting after it then I want to help you so that's the way I go so yeah
0: yeah, and it's the little things. All these micro steps. You add them all up, and it makes a huge difference. I mean, the the, the success rate of getting the yes is is really high compared to um, like benchmarking studies that we do. So when we do our qualitative um, uh, research and we have conversations with professionals and we ask them what it was like to to get outreach from a student who they never met, and we call yeah. that cold outreach. Yeah. Um, warm outreach would be to reaching out to someone that you know or lightly know. Yeah. But. A, you know, the career launch method can be applied to, to a warm network, but a lot, of, a lot of people who read the book, go through our co-curricular programming, go through the career launch programming in the classroom setting, et cetera, they're like me. They, they don't have connections to the jobs that they want. And so they have to cold network because that's all that's available to them. So one of the th- things that we found is that having an email signature is, yeah. is really, really important. Oh, I thought
1: that was really cool. Yeah. Talk about that.
0: Yeah. So... If, if if someone reaches you know um, reaches out to you and you, and you've never met the the student, the first thing you want to know that is that they are who they say you, they are. Yeah. So you're probably going to do one of two things. Um, one is you're going to look at the email address and to see if it came from a .edu, right? So if it's a college student and they're sending you an email, the college student, need, should, you know, and we put this in the book, of course, um, needs to send the email from their from their college email address, not from their Gmail or their Hotmail or whatever email address they yeah. use. Who's using Hotmail? I, I, right? I don't know. I don't
1: know why I said that. <laughs> no, um, but there people are. Anytime <laughs> I see
0: someone that has a Hotmail address, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> What's wrong? Is everything okay in your life? Yeah, anyways. So so that's one of the two things they'll do. The other thing they'll do is if you have a LinkedIn URL in your signature line, they will click on that. Um, and they'll, and they'll want to take a look and see that um, you are who you say you are yeah, on a third-party site, so that you have your name attached to a .edu email address, and then you have an email signature, and the bottom of the email signature is your LinkedIn URL. So they get this feeling of comfort, like, okay, this per, this this email is coming from a college student. They took, you know, they obviously spent time researching a little bit of who I has Because imagine if I said something like, "Hey, I understand that, um, you know, you, you you're building uh, um, a business." You have this pod, podcast, you're, you're, you have expertise in martial arts, um, your expertise in defense tactics, right? Um, you've been in public service and you're going to be, you're going to feel like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and then you, and you. then you can yeah. see the student, you know, is a student at, at the school that they say they're going to. It makes it really easy for the professional to say yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that and, and probably having a, a photo of themselves right it's like oh you're a human being like I can I can I see you I can relate to you like you have a face like it, I mean it sounds silly but it, it's no true. It, it's we, important yeah
0: right yeah yep exactly and so the the the, it, the photo that's on your LinkedIn profiles so all, all the students out there listening um, should be you should in your email signature you should also have a photo and it should be the same photo on your LinkedIn profile that's on your email signature. So that the way there's consistency. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. And and something that I like that you said in the book is you talk about building a personal brand. I love that because, you know, when, when you, that's what you're doing. I mean, we talk about those little things, like those little factors, those 1% and like what makes the difference. It's like, yeah, when you, you know, like that little email signature, not everybody's doing that. And so when I see one email come across my desk and another one, I see yours, it's like, there, there's that little psychological nuance like this guy's a leg up. This guy's doing something different. I'm curious about him. You know, he, he's, he's interesting. I mean, that's interesting, right?
0: Yeah. And, 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 and so, that, yeah, so that reminds me of the subject line. So the, mm-hmm. there's a concept called gating um, in business. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you have to get people through a gate to get them to, to be able to ask, you know, get your final request. Um, and you got to get little yeses to sometimes get what they call the big yes. So the goal is to get a conversation with a professional. But the first gate that you got to get someone through, if you're sending a cold email, is to make sure that the email gets open before it gets deleted, right? Because there's professionals. Um, we've all been in a situation where we have back to back to back meetings, and we might not check our phone or check our email f- for three three and a half hours, something like that. And then when we check our email, we might have forty emails come in, right? maybe it's 28 different people have different volumes of emails, Uh but let's just say there's 28 emails after, after a three and a half hour period of back to back to back meetings. And one of those emails is, is from the student. Well, if you catch someone at at the wrong time, they might, you know, it's human nature. If you have 28 emails to think about, okay, which ones do I delete or garbage? And then which ones do I need to take care of right, right away that are urgent? And the, the other ones I'll get to later. So, um, if the, if the subject line was too transparent about saying, you know, I, I want to meet with you yeah um, and you catch someone at the wrong time, they might just delete it without actually opening it and reading it. And they don't know that you took the time to customize it and be thoughtful um, in what you say. And then, you know, of course, having the, su- the, the, the signature line. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Why, you know, I'm thinking,
1: why aren't more people, why aren't more students doing this? Is it, is it that they don't know how, or do you think, I'm curious, do you think it's based on fear that they're scared to do this outreach or they're scared, like, I don't know what this professional is going to say to me. You know what? He doesn't want to waste his time with me. I don't want to waste this guy's time. Or do you think it's more of like a tactical, like, I just don't even know how to like phrase this.
0: Yeah. Um, well, there's two things. Um, I'm going to talk about it from the stu- student side and then, and then I want to talk about it from um, higher education or um, from... Um, you know, the professional side. Yeah. And so from the student side, there's two main reasons um, that they hesitate. One is they think they're not good enough. Uh Um, They feel, they feel like you said, uh, why would someone want to meet with me? Yeah. Uh, I'm just a student. Why would anyone? What value can I give you? I, 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 yeah, I understand that this has worked for other people, but why me? Yeah. And it's so amazing that, I mean, even the students that are, you know, whose stories are highlighted in the book. I mean, we have thousands of success stories at this point. Yeah. Um, But even students that have, You know, we have students who, you know, just have the workbook or just have the book in the workbook at this point um, or who've gone through the micro learning, the group coaching um, and the book in the workbook. They've taken the assessment. They've done everything career launch related. Um, And even the students who've done it all, they still, after, you know, getting everything that they need, are a little bit hesitant. But then they understand a only good can happen. And the only bad that happens is a little bit of time. Yeah. that they spent on it, which would be time they probably would have spent applying to jobs online anyways. Um, but this concept of reaching out to someone you never met, I mean, it's one of the scariest things that yeah. that, that student, you can ask someone, a student to do. I mean, it's you know, it's it's public speaking and giving presentations yep. and then reaching out to a professional you never met. And so think students think, you know, um, I'm not good enough. And then they think, well, why wouldn't a student want to meet with me? And in the book, we go into their six major reasons why professionals say yes. So in, in, in the qualitative research that we've done, we've, we've asked this question to yeah. the professionals. Why did you say yes? And, and having empathy and remember what it was like to be college student yeah, is, is one of the major, major ones. Um, and then also, um, wanting to pay it forward mm. and, and, and give it back. Cause everyone that has had success doesn't have success in a silo. Correct. Um, someone else helps them. And so if a student reaches out and they make it really easy for the professional, which, is what we do is, is teach students how to make it really easy. Then um, they can say, yes. So that's on the student side and in, in higher ed. Um, and this is why the career launch social enterprise was born is because we really, I mean, the, the focus of the, of the, of the social enterprise is not to serve students directly. Um, the book is going to be a, be a vehicle for that. Um, but we really want to scale impact by um, providing multimodality programming for colleges and universities and um, nonprofits that give scholarships to students mm-hmm. um, to help these students early and often build social capital and then land internships after sophomore year, after junior year, and then have a job before they even graduate. And, it, yeah. and not just a job, because so many students graduate and are underemployed, meaning they don't even need a degree to have the job that they have after graduation. And that's something you know so many are looking to change. Yeah, you're filling the gap right here. For sure, you're you're plugging a hole. Yeah, so we're partnering with colleges because traditionally, over the last fifty years, um, colleges and universities, um, the main services, um, just to be very general, is career fairs, where these big events a couple times a year. Um, It's one-on-one counseling meetings um, for thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, an hour, um, and then workshops. Mm -hmm. And see, the thing is, in, in in so. Teaching someone how to build social capital from scratch, you can't do in a workshop. No. Um, or, nor can you do in a one-on-one. Because just think back to when you were in college. And if you had a s- sit-down meeting with a career counselor, and they talked to you and gave you advice for 45 minutes. Now, these career counselors are amazing. They're great at what they do. The problem is not on the, with the career counselor. The problem yeah. is with the student, because the student is only going to retain about five to 10 minutes worth of the 45 minutes of coaching. Yep or or even a half an hour of, or an hour of coaching. Yep. And so um Career Launch was created to say, "Hey, okay, we understand let's let's bring some different modes of delivery. If this we know that this concept of building professional relationships from scratch cannot be taught in, in even two or three one-on-one meetings. I mean, a lot of it can be taught. But to really get students to take action, because that's what we want. Yeah. We don't want to just teach and have things in students' minds. We want to teach and then have students take action. Of course. Um, and so the micro-learning program that we have is 28 days. So every day for 28 days, students get a text message and an email. And so the colleges that we partner with, and we have partners – on the East Coast, you know, all over the country, um, two-year schools, four-year schools, public schools, p- private schools. And we partner sometimes with the career centers, sometimes with the first-gen programs, sometimes with the military-connected programs, transfer student programs, wow. career education programs. That's the one of the most enjoyable parts of this journey so far for me with the social enterprise, and and, and, and which is highlighted in the book, is that any student at any college, at any age, Studying anything in any major, any program of study can apply this eight step method and have success. And so, um, just to finish my thought on, on higher education, and so, you know, if, there, if someone in higher education is, is, is listening um, or you have a friend who works in higher education, really encourage them to, to get in touch with us because um, we're seeing phenomenal results on being able to amplify what colleges and universities are already doing. Um, to scale and impact more students by bringing the micro learning, the group coaching, the workbook, the book, and the assessment to the students to, to scale the number of students who can do this um, intimidating task of, of building relationships from scratch with yeah. professionals. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, one of the things I thought was cool is,
1: and I don't know if you've thought about this, this is like another business idea, but like I would benefit this. I'm a, whatever you want to call a young professional, which is like some, one of the terms in the book that I learned, a young professional. But like like someone could use this because here's the fact of the matter. People that are in their current jobs right now didn't develop these skills. They didn't. They got their job luckily, or some somehow it happened. I'm, it is what it is. And now they want to change careers. Like there's a huge, I think there's a huge market out of there. I don't know what you think about it, but I I got a lot out of the book and as someone who reaches out to people on a regular basis to get on my podcast or something like that, like there's a ton of things that I got out of it that, um, it, it's just as, as far as the outreach stuff that I didn't know. So, I mean, this book could be, <laughs> I don't know if there's a, is there a spinoff or do you already have something going on? I, you can't, tell no, 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 nothing,
0: okay. nothing in the works there right okay. now, but you, you're not the first person who's who yeah, made yeah, that yeah. comment. I, I, we understand the, but you know, when, when you know, I, I know one of the things that you wanted to ask me about was the process of writing the book, and so I think this is a good jumping off point for that. Is that um, because I teach at a university um, and I have eleven years of teaching this to college students? Yes, it could work for you know high school students, um, and yes, it can. It works for alumni, young alumni, young young professionals, yeah. and it could even work for people later in life doing a tra- career trans uh, career transition. Mm-hmm. But we really wanted to, to dive into this concept of what we call playing the student card. Yeah. And so, um, because that is something that I talk a lot about in, in the social enterprise yes. and with our partners at other universities and in my own classroom with the yeah. students. And it's so powerful to talk to students about how being a student, contrary to what most students think of being a de- deficit, it's yes. actually an asset. Yeah. And so... Um, Eric Thomas is one of my favorite motivational speakers, and he has this um, quote that I really love. He talks about, you have to take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity. Mm. And so when we talk about this playing the student card, we talk about, hey, you're only a student for a a certain amount of time. Once you graduate, once you complete, if you're working on a certificate, once you're not a student anymore – you can't play the student card. Yes, you can play the young <laughs> alumni card or the recent grad card, yeah. and that can work too.
1: Yeah. Um, you give some good examples of the book on that, by yes, the way. Yeah. Yes,
0: yes. But, but but being a student is even more powerful because all things being equal, society likes to help students more than non-students. You can still apply this if you're not a student, if you're a young professional, you're yeah. long, you know, you're know out of school. Um, and because of my higher ed background in, in my work in the classroom, um, at least at least at. But this first book, yeah, we're, we wanted to focus on yeah. on students, and and because of the social enterprise, all of our partnerships are with um, college universities and mm-hmm. um, and 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 scholarship programs that we wanted to kind of be more niche in, in our approach.
1: No, it makes total sense. I'm just letting people know, like, as a person who like I have my job, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not somebody who is a student that could play the student card. But I got a lot out of the book, and there's a lot of things that I. I'm just saying anybody can use this information. It's not just the well, student. You. Of course, the students. This, this is geared to the students. If you're a student, you should have this book because I know, and I, and I talk about it too. And when I, when I graduated high school, when I in the last episode when we talked, when I graduated high school, when I graduated college, I was way ill informed. I graduated and had nothing planned, and I was just left with like, oh well, what's next? And I had I had no idea. I went to the career counselor, like you said, that got me. It was helpful, but it it I still it didn't get me. Uh, nowhere near where I wanted to be like in the career that I wanted to get. It gave me some ideas. It was a good starting jump off point, but it wasn't enough to to take me to the finish line.
0: Yeah. And so everyone that's out there that is, is not a student um, the concepts in step seven and eight. And this would every, every uh, major chapter starts with a student story um, who's either been through the career launch programming co-curriculary at another university or some of my students at Santa Clara university, which is my my home school. um, And, and, and step 7 is andrew and step 8 is ivana um and in both those cases the what what we teach step 7 is effective follow up and step 8 is how to be per- persevere in when you're in interview uh, formal interviews and so uh, well, that was something i want to talk about a follow up that's something i'm not good
1: at but when i'm reading when i'm reading your stories and the testimonials it made me realize that effective follow-up is just as important as the personal brand, as the email outreach, as everything else. Is it not, in your opinion, or what do you think? I'm curious.
0: Yeah, so so because I didn't realize my ikigai, my vocation, until the age of 30— um, It's okay. We forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it, it, Prior to that, I was in private industry, and, and I was lucky enough to get into a manage, managerial position at, at the age of 20, 23 or early, early 24. Wow. And— um, and so I had responsibility for you know hiring and firing, and um, as a hiring manager, I realized when you're hiring interns and in entry level positions and recent college grads, the difference in the delta between candidates is so small, mm-hmm. and even when there is a difference, a student's follow up to show that they really want the job can be a difference maker. Yeah. And this isn't just my opinion. Um, NACE, the National Association of Colleges and Employers. Um, and several other research entities have proven this, that, um, follow-up is really, really important to get a job. And so, so many students either, um, aren't aware of that, um, or if they are aware of it, they don't know how to do it right. Yeah. So of course you should send a thank you email within 24 hours of, of interviewing, right? Whether it's um, in a formal interview or a career conversation, you should send a you know, a form. And yeah. in the book, we go into detail about why you should send that email between six and 7am yes. the next morning. Um, there's a lot of benefits mm-hmm. and I guess I'll go into just a little bit right now for your listeners as that and viewers, um, when you send an email the next morning. So I guess, let me say this. If you had an, if you have an interview at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., and they're going to be making a decision later that day, you don't want to wait till the next morning. Right. But, but in any situation where it's not urgent, um, waiting until the next day and sending an email early in the morning, one is it shows that you're an early riser. And if you're a college student, the stereotype of college students across the country is that you're not an early riser. Yeah. Um, and so that's one thing. Um, two is that, you know, there's a concept in business and in professionalism that if you can, um, if there's a big decision to make or something that's important, it's a good, always a good idea to sleep on it, right? Um, and so in this case, yeah. you know, following up with a professional is a big deal. So if you can sleep on it, send the email the next day and um, early in the morning. There's a lot of benefits you can get just in terms of your personal brand um, by by sending the email early the next morning. Yeah. But so, but even if students send the uh, thank you email, they don't think about what they can do in, in the weeks and months ahead. Maybe not months ahead. If it's a formal job interview, cause they're going to make it, they're going to make it. Well, some, some interviews, you know, play out over a month or two or three, depending on the industry. Um, but there are several micro steps that we go into in step seven that teaches students and any anyone because it really th- th- these concepts yeah, specifically huge. in step seven and step eight is not just for students. Um, to your point earlier, and so Andrew's story is he does all you know he, he does the right f- follow up and he doesn't um, he ends up not getting a job. He has a career conversation that turns into a job um, job interview, goes through multiple interviews, doesn't get the position. So one of the things we teach is, and he followed all the steps right. And then after he learned he got a hard no, he sent an email asking for feedback on, on what he could do to, um, to improve in the future. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't want to ask for feedback when you're still in the interview process. So there's yeah. an important distinction there for, for everyone listening um, is that, but once you get a hard no, then it's okay to follow up with some of the main people that you talk with and ask for feedback. So he does this and he, he does this at a very prominent um organization that has uh uh offices throughout the country. And the person he sent the professional he sent the follow up email to asking for feedback said, You know what, Andrew? In my twenty plus years of being in, in a hiring manager position, I can count on the less than I forget of one hand or two hand, the number of um You know, college graduates or recent college grads or, you know, soon to be college graduates that have asked me for feedback on what they can do to get better. Thank you. And he actually got, Andrew got a response saying, thank you for your email. And here are some things you can do. And... You know, I really want like to see you end up getting a job here. It just didn't work; happened to work out in my fit. Would you like me to um, pass along your name and your resume to a coworker in another yeah. another organiza- another department <laughs> within the same organization, within the same that. company? Yes. And of course, Andrew says yes, gets an interview yeah. with with this this professional's friend yes. in a different department within the same company, and two weeks later has a full time job offer. Yep, um, it's incredible. And then Ivana's story is that she she had a career conversation. Yep. With the so step one um, of the career launch method um, is discernment um, and figuring out the top ten organizations, government agencies, companies that you'd like to work for. So um, number one on Ivana's list was this company called Palo Alto Networks. That was the number one company on her list, and she set up a career conversation with someone who worked there. The career conversation went really well, and. You know, students, you know, not every time, but a lot of times they'll make a relationship and, and they'll be, and they'll be invited to stay in touch. And we talk about how to do that and how to stay, stay in touch appropriately. This career conversation, um, that she had with this professional becomes an instant advocate and gets her into the interview position. So she went through the uh, career launch co-curricular program through her university's, um, uh, you know, career center offering, um, after she graduated so she graduated without a job and then she went through the micro learning and the group coaching and 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 she got the launch your career workbook and um, gets the career conversation that person sets her up for an internal um, a formal interview for a job for a full time job she goes through like six or seven I forget how many but it was a lot of interviews yeah 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 yeah. she doesn't get it yeah she doesn't get it and I know I remember she she was bummed Um, and um, but instead of just you know wallowing in her sorrows. Um, she kind of gets back up on the horse and continues the career launch method. And she ends up finding out that a similar position in a different part of the country was open. And she was open to living in different parts of the country. Yeah, She gets in the interview, you know, she follows up with the person that, that she had the career conversation with. Say, I didn't get the job. And I think that person already kind of knew, and he, you know, he didn't lose any enthusiasm for her candidacy. Sometimes right, right. there's just there's a lot of good candidates, and yeah. sometimes we just aren't the ones that get picked. Yep. So um, we just got to keep persevering. So she gets an interview for the similar position in Austin, Texas. And she goes through six or seven interviews and gets the position. And yeah. this is like step one of the career launch method make a top 10 list. This was the number one company on her list. She had no connections to this organization. Crazy. She wrote down, um, and was methodical about step two, strategic contacts and identified some people that could be strategically helpful to her, reached out, built relationships. And that is that in an essence is the career launch method. So, um, yeah. yeah, it just, it's so fun to be able to share these students stories in the book. Like Andrew and Ivana. And um, going back to this uh, tangent that I went on here, yeah. you had said, hey, the book's not just for students. And you're yeah. right, because the concepts that we can learn from Andrew and Ivana um, relate to anyone to anybody, at yeah. any stage of life yep. um, looking for an internship, job, apprenticeship, et cetera.
1: Yeah. The story with Ivana, I just, I love that story. That was one that really resonated with me. I'm like, wow, she went, it was like, eight interviews and you could just tell like she really wanted this job and like and they liked her too it wasn't you know she went round after round after round and then didn't get it you can you know you're just like ah but then she like pauses gets back on the horse like you said let me use some of the tactics and tools from the the career launch method and and then that parlayed into another it was just it was such a great story i i really love that one um I wanted to ask you, you know, the, uh, I want to, this is, this is, you know, this was not just a year and a half that passed since we last talked. This was the year of the pandemic. <laughs> so I'm curious, uh, is career launch, is the career launch method pandemic proof? You know, have you noticed anything? What's changed with uh, the delivery and the, your, your, your approach? Can people still do the student card and all these things you're talking about, even in a pandemic kind of world?
0: Yeah. So of course in-person career conversations didn't happen during the pandemic. Um, and so, but video chat, you know, career conversations did, you know, um, did happen. And actually the success rate of getting a yes from a professional to a career conversation, it went up. Wow. It went up. Why do you think that was? Um, well, one is before, I think a lot of students were asking for in-person cause in-person per- in in-person, um, Tra- uh, translates to internships, ju- internships and jobs at a higher rate than video chat. Yeah. Um, and so, um, students were just asking for in person. Um, they weren't. And some students were asking for an in person or a video chat. Yeah. Now with with the pandemic, it was ju- we were just asking for professionals for um, a video chat for twenty minutes, and I think a, a, a couple different factors. One is the fact that. Um, our whole country and I guess you know the world had to get used to video chat uh, as a, as a mode of communication. Yeah. And so there's uh, overnight society went from being very cons- uh, comfortable with this mode of communication um, uh, being video chat. Yeah. I, I think also empathy. Yeah. Professionals, they think about man. When I was in college, how, imagine how hard of that would have been if I had to do it learning remote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think when students or when professionals, well, I don't know, I don't think I yeah. know because we, we've done, we've talked to professionals about this and they've shared with us. Yeah. There was, there was extra empathy, um, because of knowing that students are, are, are living some of these most exciting times, exciting years of their life, you know, at home yeah, uh, instead of being away at school.
1: Yeah. Very cool. I love that. Um, I was thinking it'd be fun, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the book, you know, you talk a little about negotiation and uh, mm. you know, that's always on people's minds and this was actually something I wanted to talk about to you because you're someone who I've, I've reached out to in the past and said like, hey, can you help me like prepare for this negotiation stuff? So I thought uh, it might be fun to do like a little mock negotiation if you're, if you're down for that.
0: Oh, I'd love to. I'd love, <laughs> love for you to be the, uh, let's, let's do a hypothetical here. Okay, um, yeah. okay let's, let's, let's do it like this. Um, you're looking for a full time job, and um, you applied for a job. Let's just say you apply, you know you kind of did the traditional route. You applied for a job online. Okay. And you and I, I'm, a, I'm about to be the recruiter that you have your first phone interview with. Okay. Okay. And we're 20 minutes into our phone conversation. Okay, that's where we're going to pick up this hypothetical. Okay. okay? So Joel I got to tell you um it's been re- really nice uh talking with you um and uh I have a really really good feeling that you're someone we want to move on to the to the next round of the interview process. Um when it comes from to salary what are your expectations? Oh man, thanks
1: for uh man, thanks for thinking so highly of me. That that's that's really uh humbling, man. I really appreciate that. Um man, you know I I don't know um for salary um yeah, you know I I haven't really uh thought about it. I mean you know, uh, what's a, what's a, you know, my last job I was making, uh, 50,000. So, uh, what's a typical entry level position here start at uh career launch? I don't, I don't know. It,
0: it, it depends on, you know, it depends on experience and, and, um, qualifications.
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Right, right on. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty qualified. I think, uh, you know, I think I would add a lot of value to the organization. You know, as, as we talked on the phone earlier, I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited. I've done this, this, and this. And I, I think I'd la- add a lot of value. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to uh, get started and help contribute to the organization, like I said, to the fullest.
0: I can appreciate that. Um, thanks for sharing. Um, you know, the software system that we use here um, it requires us to put in a number or a range. What would that be for you? Oh man. Um I, you
1: know, I am I'm I know like the going rate for most college students I think nowadays is like, you know, 60 to like 80,000. So I I think I was thinking like somewhere in that range is is probably good.
0: Okay. Thank you for sharing. All right, so so that's the end of our hypothetical. <laughs> okay, yeah. And now, no so yeah. you, I would say you did better than, um, and and you've read the book, so you had a little bit of insight. Yeah, um,
1: that's it, honestly, I, I I answered how I think I. That's how I would have responded. Okay, I have read the book, and uh, I, there's actually some techniques I think I would have done better now that I know I've read the book. But I, I answered honest. That was an honest way of like probably okay. what I would have thought as especially as a college student. That's what I would have said. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so one of the things that's really important is is to not give a number or a range.
1: And that range one really threw me off because the range one makes you feel, you almost feel safe to give a range. Like, okay, because I can go 60. I can start low, but also be like, yeah, like I also know on the high end, it's but like 80. But right? it's so
0: relative, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, so positions in some nonprofits pay a lot less than that. Um, well, you know, and, and positions for software engineers pay a lot more than that, right? So it, there, it is relative depending on the candidate and what they're looking at. But let's just talk about um, some things some theory here or or, or some of the reasoning why you don't want to give a number a range. You want to play this cat and mouse game and, and just, I like to say, say, um, someone says, you know, Sean, what is your salary expectations? At this time I'm focused on finding the right fit. And I'm confident that when I, when I do salary and income, uh, salary and compensation uh, won't be an issue yeah. because the goal is not to give a number or a range because you never give a number on well, the phone. So there's two, there's different philosophies later yeah. in life. There's there, uh, for, for, for entry level positions and for college students, you most, most of the time you're going to want to utilize the strategies I'm talking about. Yeah, here. yeah. 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 There's the, there's a, the, there's a counter strategy called dropping the anchor. Um, that means, you, you know, but that's probably only for people in their career saying, I need a minimum of this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 So the reason why most college, why you don't want to drop the anchor, um, if you're a college student is because if you give a number or a range, that's too low, you might be leaving money on the table. Yep. And if you give a number that's too high, you might be cut off from the next step in the interview process. Yeah. So here's the thing. If, 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 if your number is too high, why would me as the recruiter on the phone, why, if, if we have, if I know that there's no chance we're going to be able to pay you, which, which you just told me you want. Yeah. Um, why would I have you go through two or three more or four more interviews and waste, you know, and, and suck up, you know, to use someone else's time for yeah. two or three more times. Right. So that's why you don't want to give a number too high because you might unintentionally disqualify yourself. Yep. If you give a number, number too low, then you might be leaving money on the table. Now, a lot of students, um, think, well, I know because of Glassdoor or LinkedIn or yeah, some yeah, of these yeah, third-party yeah. websites that I wouldn't be saying a number too low. But I've had so many different times students have shared with me who didn't use the process and then got into a job and a year or two later you know, found out that they left money on the table mm-hmm. because sometimes um, policies change as far as what pay goes for a certain position. Sometimes there's mergers and acquisitions and and there's an emphasis on a certain you know, part of the company to, to Mm. pay more. And sometimes that, you know, the, the job sites like Glassdoor and LinkedIn, they don't always capture that in real time. Yeah. And so you might be thinking, I have a good reason for saying a certain number, but it it doesn't serve you well. So that's, that's, that's the first part. Um, I want to, I will share with your listeners and your viewers about salary negotiation. The other part is you don't want to negotiate until you get an offer in writing. Mm. Now,
1: so do you of, tell the person if I ask for, if they are like start asking for a range? Do you go, Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that until I get in? I go, Do you just skip no, to no, that no. step? No, so it, or it, it, is it, there it, some <laughs> more kind of like you know playing? We're doing a oh, little playing, yeah. I, I call there's it a, there's playing, a dance, yeah, there's a dance, right? You could
0: call it verbal judo, you could play, call it playing you know verbal yeah. tennis, whatever you want, but yeah, 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 yeah. So there might be this cat and mouse game. So going back to that analogy, is uh, if if I were to say you know, I'm focused on finding the right fit. I'm confident when I do, salary and compensation won't be an issue. Yeah. You would probably say, as the recruiter, "Well, thanks for sharing, Sean, but um, yeah, I need a, I need a number. Either yeah. my boss requires me to have a number, or my software system, but sometimes they do they they want they really yes. want to get a number out of yes. you. So then at that point, I would say, "Well, what is your range?" And I'd ask them. I'd, I'd hit the ball back in their court. Uh huh. Um. And but they would probably say, that, "Well, the range depends on qualifications and experience." So then, are you stuck? no um and in the book we talk about this the, you, you have another question you have another tool in your tool belt, so to speak um and this doesn't work for startups or it doesn't work for brand uh, brand new positions but for everything else it does you could say um well, well um of, of everyone that's been hired for this position in the last year or two or three depending on how big the company is yeah um what is the lowest and what is the highest amount of salary and compensation someone someone has earned
1: Ah, uh, interesting,
0: and so I have so many students that have come back who said they've they've utilized this technique, and the and a lot of times the interviewee will say you know what? Um, we can circle back to uh, <laughs> salary and compensation at a later time. And then the, that's what you want. You, yes, I mean, yes, the, yes. And that's why, you know, this, uh, the, one of the other golden rules of, of compensation negotiation yeah. is you don't want to negotiate until you have an offer in writing. Now, some employers purposely try to get you commit to a verbal there right. though. The, you've been through, you know, four or five interviews, some six or in, in, in Ivana's case, eight interviews. Yeah. And, um, and they don't want to go back and forth on negotiations, so they'll want to, you know, just um, get you to commit. So they'll, they'll they might either on a video chat or a phone call or an in person meeting. Um, say, Sean, uh, you know, they might, hey, we want to make congratulations. We want to make you an offer, bring you on the team. It's going to pay this. You're going to have this amount of vacation. You're going to have this if there's stock options, like all all the benefits that we can. Um, your start day would be this. Um, do you accept? and you might have every fiber in your body wanting to be say yes 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 <laughs> i accept do you know how, many, uh, how much i've been stressing about wanting to get a job and get yeah, a job yeah. here and like yeah but what we highly recommend you do is you you you, you convey yes but you don't say the word yes mm. you say something to the effect of oh this sounds amazing i'm really excited i'm i'm really excited about joining the team i assume everything that you just mentioned you'll be putting you know you'll, you'll be sending over um, uh, in an email, um, in, in written form. And then uh, 100% of the time the employer will say, yes, yes. I've never heard of someone's yeah. giving someone a verbal <laughs> offer and saying, no, we won't send you yeah. a, a written yeah. offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that way you say, yes, this sounds great. I do no, You say, you don't say yes to something. You said this sounds, great. You say, this, sound, this, this sounds great. I'm really excited to join the team. What can you send it over in writing? Um, and you could even say, Hey, my professors, um, coaches, mentors, um, you have to- always told me that on big decisions like this, it's always good to look at something in writing and sleep on it. Will you be sending it over in writing? And, yeah. and they'll say, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, once you get in writing now for the first time, as in this process of being the applicant versus the, the employer, the applicant has some power. Yeah. So power, sometimes po- the word power gets people tripped up. Power in of itself is not good or bad. Power is power. Yeah. Um in this such, in this in this concept of compensation negotiation, as the applicant, you only have power once you get an offer in writing. Mm. And so once you get in writing, then you can send over an email saying thanks for sending this, I'll take it over, I'll look it over. And then you probably the next day you probably wanna say, Hey, I have some questions. Can we get on a phone call or video chat or stop by the office or something like that? And then you kind of want to, you probably want to think of a question or two that doesn't have to do, do with salary. And then when when it comes comes time to inquiring about salary or the benefits compensation, because there's a lot of things that can be negotiable, which we talk about in in this bonus chapter of the book. The most cool, calm, collected way to negotiate compensation or salary is is simply saying, with regards to salary, is there any flexibility? Mm. Is there any flexibility when you know with regards to the stock option? um, vesting schedule in regards to, um, um, wh- whatever you want to negotiate, is yeah. there any flexibility? If they say no, then you can still sign and say, okay, great. Well, I'm, I'm you know, And but if they say yes, a lot, or a lot of times it's not a, it's not a yes or it's, it's a yes, or maybe I can see, let me check with my, check with my boss or check with the hiring manager or what do you have in mind? And it, well, you have, then you have to be prepared to answer that. Yeah. Um, But there's so much research that says, you know, there's. This is another one of those things, kind of like doing cold networking. It can be very intimidating um, and stressful, but there's so much good that comes comes out of it because there's research that says even if you get a no, but you ask and you and you do it in a professional way of saying like, is there any flexibility? Even if you get a no, you're seen as a future leader. Yeah, because one of the competent one of the tenets of leadership is, is being able to have difficult conversations professionally. Mm. And one of the most difficult conversations I have is salary negotiation. Like most people avoid it. Yeah. But it, so if you do, and even if you get a no, it still makes you look good from your personal brand standpoint. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah. And I like what
1: you said about like control and power and it's like, you're, it's one of those, you start, like, you talk about the students in the beginning when they're even going out and they're reaching out to people and they're trying to get these internships or these conversations started. They feel like they're nothing, right? I don't have control. I have no power. This is very difficult. And the same thing with the, then you make it to the finish line and now it's time to do salary negotiation. You're like, you're the boss. I have no power. But there's this kind of dance or judo, however you want to say it, that you actually kind of reclaiming that power. And, yeah, it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Um. I want to wrap things up, uh, but before I do, is there is there anything that you know I didn't ask you that you wish I had?
0: <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I, well, I just want to reiterate, Joel. It's been amazing to see your growth um, in, in in what you're doing with this podcast and helping all the people that you serve. You've had some amazing guests talking about how to to improve. Right, uh, um, a lot of you know what you're about. At biohacking is like how to help others improve their life to help help make their life more rich and different facets and areas of one's life. And so, um, it's really great to be back again a year and a half later and and see all that you've done and, um, a a chance to share with, with all your viewers and listeners. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. And just on the note too, like, you know, I talk a lot about a lot of my podcast is health related, but you know, I interviewed someone recently on taxes and wealth and I, and I, and same thing with you. Like, I think people don't understand, but getting your dream job, getting your dream career, like that's a facet of health, wealth family like all these things make up like a better version of you and so i really think it's not just health i want people to be very very clear like that's why i value you having this on the podcast because it's, it's a huge huge tenet of someone's life so yeah man thank you and thanks for doing what you're doing and pushing through i know coming out with the book was uh it was a lot and so uh you know we're just grateful that you know people like you're here on the earth disrupting it in a positive way um Last time I asked you the lightning round questions, I asked you, like, several questions, you know, like, what's your favorite book? What what would you recommend? We went through all of that. Um, So this one, I'm going to keep the lightning round very brief. But are there any exciting – I mean, you just launched the book, and I have a lot of authors that I interview. And I'm like, I know you just finished this project, but a lot of people – I'm telling you, it's like these guys are driven. And I'm like, hey, uh, is there anything – I know you just finished this project, but is there anything else exciting that you're working on?
0: Yeah, well, we – with, with the book comes the Career Launch Readiness Assessment, and that really helps students understand their readiness in terms of being able to build profe- professional relationships from scratch and access the hidden job market to land the jobs and internships they want. So that assessment, which comes included in the book, what we found from our partners at colleges and universities is um, they want to be able to help more students understand their readiness t- to start doing this professional relationship building Um, And so they've seen such value in the assessment that they've asked us to create um, a data analytics package so that they can have macro data in the aggregate of all their students. So we kind of break down, um, we took a look at all the data over 11 years um, and what are the five key areas that matter most? to being able to develop relationships from scratch with professionals and then tap into the hidden gem market. And so we identified those five areas and, um, and then we developed this assessment that looks at, um, you know, one's readiness in each of those areas. And so now we can customize um, assessment um, modes and, and mediums for different colleges, universities, and scholarship programs to be able to, have students um, take the assessment, and the great thing about um, the book is, and the assessment is, it allows students to take the assessment three times, mm. so they can track their progress um, in their development over time. Because probably, you know, we encourage our readers of the book to take the assessment right away. Yeah, just get a baseline. Yeah. Where, where are you? Then read the book, go through all the exercises, start start incorporating the method. Um, you know, incorporate all the micro steps, and then take 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 the assessment again and look at your own personal growth and development um, and, and, and that, that, that Delta is going to be very, you know, in, in, in the, all the data we have so far, it's a, it's a big jump. And, and then students are going to continue to get better and better in these areas. Um, so if a, a student goes through the, you know, reads the book as a first year or sophomore, they might want to take it again when they get closer to yeah, graduation or completion, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Um, this is a question I've been asking a la- lot over the, the last year and I've it's been really cool to see how people with this growth mindset and just how they've answered the question. And we, we know the pandemic was 2020 was a really crushing year for a lot of people, but I've noticed that many successful people have reframed that and they've, 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 they've they've turned that year into some of their best years is what I've heard. And so I'm curious for you, 2020, I want you to finish this sentence. 2020 was the greatest gift because dot, dot, dot.
0: Oh, time more time with family. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, between teaching, starting a social enterprise, and writing a book, um, and then teaching at a university that I, you know, is about an hour away from where I live. Yeah, um, you know, of course, no one wanted the you know, one wants the pandemic pande- 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 pandemic to exist, but um, positive that came out of it is you know I was teaching remotely, um, and that freed up. You know, at least at a minimum, four hours a week of drive time. Yeah. uh, Because I teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and um, so you talk about four hours a week over a year plus. That's that's a lot of time, and that time went you know towards time with you know my family and um, and so you know I'm I'm grateful in that way um, to be able to 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 take care of these three major things that related to career and not have and, and to have some of that extra time. Um, just spend with the
1: family. Yeah. So cool, man. I love that. Uh, last but not least, where can people find you? And, and by the way, if, if colleges, if people want to reach out to you, I mean, is there a way that you can? I mean, people that, obviously, we have the book, like everybody can go out and get the book. Students that are, don't have access to the career launch, uh, method throughout their university or schools and they can't get to that because their university doesn't have it yet, they can get the book and get a lot of the good juicy tactics. And, but, um, you know, where can, uh, if, if colleges and universities, if they want to learn more about the method, is where can they go and, and just in general, or just students themselves, if they don't have access again, where can they go if they want more than the book, like the group coaching and stuff you're talking about?
0: Sure. So, yeah, colleges, universities, careerlaunch.academy, www.careerlaunch.academy is, is, our, is a, the website for the social enterprise. Um, if you And then for the macro data about the assessment, careerlaunchassessment.com. For launch assessment.com. And then, um, for students, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, any, any major retailer, tar, you know, target, um, will have the book. Um, boom. Yes, right here, there it is. Um, launch your career, how any student me. can create professional relationships from scratch, um, to land the internships and jobs that they want.
1: Huge man. Sean O'Keefe. Thanks for uh, a second round. Very good. Thank you, Joel. That's it for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Hack Life. And if you did, please share this episode on social media and then tag me at Joel Levin Coaching. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so that you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. Thanks a ton, guys.